I may stumble and fall, but through it all, God is still good. Mercy still flows from the palm of His hand. He will give grace and help me to stand. And although He knows how unworthy I am, God is Rise 
in anticipation for the sun is coming home First Kings chapter number three, very simple thought that I've got for you today that the Lord has seen in it on my heart, and I want to be a help and a blessing and encouragement to you as we enter in uh, to this new year. I would say many of you remember Brother David Maynard, uh, of course, a tremendous servant of the Lord, and he went home to be with the Lord, and I thought about what a reunion that would have been this past week as he entered into the presence of the Lord, the one that he had preached about for years and years and years, and he entered into his presence, and I know his service will be tomorrow over at Calvary and King. And that'll be at 2 o'clock. Of course, the visitation will be from 10 uh, or from 12 to 2 over there in King, there at the church at Calvary. And uh, so just remember that family. I know Sister Breed just tremendous service of the Lord. That whole family uh, has served faithful. Well, please do remember them. And most time I'll stand at the back and I'll shake hands, but I'm going to have to get out of here. I've got a, a funeral I've got to preach this afternoon, and uh, so I've got to leave. So just forgive me in advance for not standing at the back and shaking your hand, but I'll be back, uh, good Lord willing, this evening. And we just keep that in mind with the Maynard family. Continue to pray for them. But the first Kings chapter number three is where we're going to take our text. We're going to look. I think as we entered in uh, to to a new year, of course, 2023 brought a lot of challenges to a lot of people, a lot of obstacles. But there's a lot of blessing involved too, and God has been good to all of us. And a lot of things we've come through, a lot of things we'll face if we live long enough. And uh, we're going to we'll have to deal with maybe even this coming year. And I got enough sense to know. I think about this. Um, we think about the crowd that we have in our church family. We've got some that are out sick. Uh, but, but the majority of our crowd, if, if the Lord tarries his coming um, and nature runs its course, there's some that are here with us today that won't be with us this time next year. Now, that's a real reality. And uh, so it sure is important. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible said today is a day of salvation and I don't take folks for granted because you never know when it may be the last time that you get to see them. And Brother Maynard was in his 60s. I still think about Victoria Brown, 19 years old. And a death is no respect to person. It's coming. I don't know when my card's going to be drawn. I don't know when the Lord's going to say that's it. But there's going to come a day when these lungs are going to take their last breath. This heart's going to beat for the last time. These eyes are going to close for the last time, and this mouth is going to say the last word for the last time. And it can be said about every one of us. It's going to happen, 
but it pays to be ready and to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking as we come through 2023, I probably averaged about 12 funerals a year. Last year I had 15 uh, right here in this area. Of course, Wilkes is involved as well, but 15 people um, that left out of here, and that's just people that I was associated with and, and helped in that funeral. Man, it, it, life is so precious. It is so fragile. I quote to you many, many times, James 4, 14, it asked the question, then answered, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanished away. If you got up early enough, if you were a late riser, you might not have seen it, but especially with us living close to the river, man, the fog, it was just thick. You couldn't even see the cow pasture looking out our front window, Brother Allen, looking up, because it was so foggy. But then as the sun got up and began to, to rise, that fog was burned off. It's just there for a little time, and then it was gone. The Bible said that's exactly how our life is. So above all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to get saved. And the Bible said today is the day of salvation. And, a man, it pays to tell people you love them too, by the way. And this ain't the message, but this is where we are. Uh, it pays to tell your family that you love them. Amen. Maybe the last time you get, well, preacher, they know that I love them. Well, have you told them lately? You ought to do that. Well, I just, I don't do that. I don't, I'm not in the habit. Well, you ought to, that'd be a good habit to start, man. To tell your family that you love them. Because there'll come a time, again, if nature runs its course and the Lord tarries his coming, there'll come a time when we'll hear those words for the last time and we'll say those words for the last time. So it pays to love people. Don't take folks for granted. Listen, as we enter into this new year, man, you think about the, the there's a lot of life-changing events last year. Death affected a lot of our church families. Uh, maybe, maybe directly, indirectly, maybe sort of distant, but we all dealt with death and we dealt with challenges and obstacles this past year. And but God has been faithful. But I thought about this as we enter in this new year, and and this really ain't the message either. We'll get to it in just a second. I, I thought about man as we go into this new year, uh, maybe maybe we can be a little more complimentary and less complaining. Amen. Maybe a little more praising and less pouting. Yeah, man. Maybe a little more worshiping and working than wasting time. We, we could go on and on and on about that. We could say, man, a, a little more devoted this year and a little less distracted, a little more sweet, a little less sour. And it'd pay off in the long run. We could, that, we could preach a message right there, but that's not the message of the hour. But as we go into this new year, man, uh, just thank God for what he's done for you. And listen, we're still here for a reason, and we're here for a purpose. Some of you may feel like, man, I just don't fit anywhere. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my point of existence is. Listen, God's got a point for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for your life. If not so, you'd already be out of here. But I'm still breathing. You're still breathing. God wants to use Ever one of us. This could be your best year as a child of God coming up in 2024. And some of the keys are found in this text in 1 Kings chapter number 3. Now before I even read this, of course this is the account of Solomon. Now Solomon is following in the footsteps of his father David. David is probably the most well-known king uh, in, in, in the Jews' history, in the nation of Israel. Of course, he, everybody's compared to King David. Well, David had a son by the name of Solomon. And Solomon is the one that built the temple. Of course, we preached on that with the life of David. But today we're looking at Solomon. And when you think about Solomon, think about the duration of his kingdom. He reigned, the Bible said, for 40 years, just as his father did. Because the Scripture tells us this in 1 Kings 11 and verse 42. And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. You can see the duration of Solomon's reign. 40 years he reigned. 
But you know what he did for half of those years, Brother Kevin? For 20 years, 20 of the 40 years that he reigned, Solomon was constructing and he was building. Now, for seven years, he was building the house of the Lord. Remember, David had a, had, a, had a desire and a plan to build a house, but God said, No, it's not the will of God for you, David, to build a, a house because you've, got, you've shed blood, and the house of God was going to be a place of mercy. So David couldn't build the house, but what he did with the spoils of war, he financed the building of the temple of the Lord and his son Solomon would build it. So David prepared the funds, he prepared the blueprint, but for seven years, Solomon built the house of the Lord. But for 13 years, he spent building his house. 13 plus 7 is how many? That's simple math. It's 20. He reigned for 40 years. For 20 years, he spent building. The first seven, he was building the temple. Then he took 13 years to build his house. How do you know that, preacher? Well, in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 38, I'm still coming back to chapter 3, but in chapter 6 and verse 38 of 1 Kings, so was he seven years in building it. That was the temple. That's why we know he built the temple for seven years. How do we know it took him 13 years to build his house? 1 Kings 7 and verse 1. But Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished it all, and he finished all his house. So half of Solomon's reign was was focused on building. Seven years building the temple, 13 years building his own house. Now Solomon, we could say, had a great empire. He truly did. He had a great kingdom. He had great riches. He had splendor and wealth and glory. He he was the envy of other nations. Remember the queen of Sheba came uh, to see the, the glory and the pomp of Solomon that had been spread abroad throughout all the world. And I think about this, you know, there's many folks in the Bible that, that, that were of great riches and of great, they had great glory, they had pomp. Think about Abraham. Think about Isaac. Think about Jacob and Joseph. Uh, even down in Egypt, second in command of Pharaoh, all those men and people had great riches. Think about Joseph of Arimathea. He is like it. The Bible said that he was a rich man. He used what God had blessed him with to help take care of the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even that tomb, a new tomb where never man had yet been laid, it was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He was a rich man. There's nothing wrong with having riches as long as riches don't have you. The Bible said this. I thought for years growing up, I thought, man, you know, riches, that's the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible said. Riches are not the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil, but the love of it is. That's the greed, the greed side of things. For the Bible says it's worth hitting this before I even read 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Timothy 6.10 gives us this warning. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after it, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now Solomon was basically living his life, as you study it, to get more and more and more. If you study the life of Solomon and you compare it, Brother Ed, with the life of King David, you'll find that something is missing in Solomon's life. Now, according to the Word of God, Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. We'll read that scripture and just say, outside the Lord Jesus, nobody was wiser than Solomon because the Bible tells us that. 
But, but, but think about this. He spent his life trying to get more and more and more. But there was one thing that he lacked that David had. David had a preacher by the name of Nathan. He had a counselor by the name of Ahithophel. He had another counselor by the name of Hushai that guided him, that kept him within, now stay with me here, kept David within the boundaries of God's will. When David stepped out of the will of God, boom, there's Nathan. Boom, there's Ahithophel. There's Hushai. Somebody guiding him to stay within the boundaries of God's will. You don't see a preacher basically in Solomon's life. You don't see counsel basically in the life of Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man. We could probably say this. Solomon sort of got too big for his britches. He said, man, I'm going to rely on my wisdom. I don't really need a preacher. I don't really need a counselor. I don't need a priest. I don't need anybody to keep me in, in, the, in the center of God's will. I'm a wise man. God has given me that. But he got his eyes off the Lord during his 40-year reign. Of course, he made some tremendous mistakes. You can go to 1 Kings chapter 11. And the Bible said he's the wisest man that ever lived. Yet he had 700 wives, brother Ian. Can you imagine? Now, see, there's some people that's, that's wise. They're book smart, but they're ignorant when it comes to common sense. Amen. Think about it. We call it horse sense. Hey, some folks just got horse sense. There's a lot of folks growed up uh, that grew up and, and didn't have great education. They didn't have the academics. They didn't go to college. And they didn't have a, a master's degree. But, man, they had common sense. And then you got some folks that'll go to all kinds of schools, 12, 14 years, and man, they're smart as a whip book. But man, they ain't got no common sense. Just look at our leaders in Washington. I mean, academically, man, they got all the act. Oh, we went to Harvard and all this. I'm not knocking education, but it pays to have some horse sense and some common sense. And Solomon was the wisest man. But the Bible said he married some strange women. Sure, it's 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand, man. And you think about that. Yeah, he was wise, but he didn't have a whole lot of common sense. But he had one thing that you and I, and there's one principle as we head into this new year. Of course, we could use this at any time. But this is where the Lord has centered our heart. There's some things that I need. There's things that you need uh, here as we head into this new year. I want you to notice what the Bible said here. 1 Kings chapter 3, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but notice verse 1. The Bible said, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Basically, he made a pact and alliance with Egypt. And took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord. So that's 20 years. I've already showed you that, uh, the time she was there. And the wall of Jerusalem round about. Look at verse 2. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built under the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Now this is early on in Solomon's reign. The baton has been Past David has, has chosen him. Solomon has been anointed as king. And early on before the temple was built, the, the Solomon loved the Lord and he walked in the ways and the statues of the Lord. But then verse 4, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. And there's an interesting study that you can look at. Look at the things that Solomon had a thousand of. And there's several of them. 
Think about the Psalms that, uh, and different things. And boy, we, we, could, we could preach a message right there on the thousand things that, that Solomon had. He had a thousand, we had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand. Think about the Proverbs that he pinned down according to the book of Psalms. Let's us know that. There's a lot of things here, but he, had a, he performed a thousand burnt offerings according to verse 4. Verse 5, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. Now, a lot of folks will say, you know, God's still appearing in dreams today. And listen, I, I, don't wanna, I hate to break tradition, but I'm, I am a Bible preacher, and I'm going to tell you the truth on this. A lot of folks still believe that God works through dreams today. He does not. Amen. Solomon did not have the canon of Scripture, but you and I do from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. That's how we discern. That's how we cipher the will of God for our lives, the Word of God. Solomon, all they had was the Pentateuch, Penta meaning five, the first five books of the Bible. That's what he had. But the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. That crowd, and there's a lot of religions today, especially the Pentecostal crowd. I hate to throw, throw rocks, but there's other folks that's got it too. They believe in this dream business. Tell you what the dream business will get you. That'll get you a David Koresh and a Jim Jones. Amen. If you don't know who that is, just research them and you'll see those religious leaders that they followed a dream. Man, you better follow the Word of God and you better follow the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God will never be contrary one to the other. They'll always be in harmony. But God spoke to Solomon in a dream. Here, prior to the canon of Scripture being revealed to us. Look at verse 6. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king, Instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child, I know not how to come out, go out, or come in. So basically what God does in this dream, he said, Solomon, asked one thing that you would like to have. And boy, Solomon begins to think about this. He said, you know, you, Lord, you've been gracious to me. You put me in the room of my father. You made me king of it, but I am but a little child. He understood that he had inexperience. Brother Ed, he, he's leading the, the nation of Israel, he's, one, he's the chief commander in charge. And he says, I'm but a little child. He understood he was inexperienced. He could ask for anything. And this speaks volumes about King Solomon. Look at verse 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Here's the request in verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Now keep in mind, God comes to him in that dream and said, what, ask what was it say there in verse number 5? He said, ask what I shall give thee. He could have asked anything. But he asked for wisdom and an understanding heart. Well, how did God respond to that? Notice what your Bible said in verse 10. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Now look at verse 11. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, 
And hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. So as Solomon has asked, now he is receiving. And the Bible goes on to say, Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. So prior to the life of Solomon, God said there was nobody wiser. And you think about the first man that was created, Adam. Adam was an intelligent human being. Why is that? Because God gave him the, 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 the task and the job of naming all the animals. Amen. How'd you like to come up with an alligator? An elephant? Giraffe? And all that stuff. Well, he was a smart man. Armadillo. I mean, there's so many different little a raccoon. I mean, he's seen that raccoon. Man, there's a raccoon. What made him think it was a raccoon? There's an opossum. And uh, you could go on and on and on. The buzzard that flies through. The eagle. The birds. The, the dove. I mean... Think about the wisdom and the intellect that Adam had. But yet God said, nobody prior to you, Solomon. Nobody after you. Think about Elijah. Think about Elisha. Think about John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. That, that, that pinned down the book of Revelation. He was a human. Nobody's been wiser outside of the Lord Jesus. We know Jesus was one of a kind. According to everybody else, nobody was wiser than Solomon. I believe what the Bible said. I believe what God said about Solomon, that he was the wisest man. Then verse 13, And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Now, why did God give him the things that he didn't ask for? I'll tell you why. Verse number 10 said, What he asked for pleased the Lord. What he asked for pleased the Lord. I believe this, Brother Wayne, if Solomon had said, Lord, give me great riches. God might have given it to him, might not have. But because he asked for this one thing, he said, I'm a little child, I'm inexperienced. God, I need wisdom. God give him what he asked for. Now, my simple thought is this today by way of application to you and I. If I were to ask you, and I've used this many, many times, but I hope it will put you on the spot. If I could hand an index card to everybody in this building today, what is your greatest need? What do you want God to do for you today? Not only today, this, this upcoming year. Say, preacher, I got this issue here, and I got the. It might be physical, it might be financial, it might be relational, it might be spiritual. What would be the one thing that you would ask? For, oh, preacher, I wish I had more riches. Well, he could have said that, but you know, God was pleased with what he asked for, and God gave it unto him. What would be the greatest need in your life today? You know, I was looking back. I had a prayer. I'm not doing that currently right now, but a few years ago, Brother Josh, I had a prayer journal that I wrote down. I had a lot of names, and this was before uh, Kier and Hoyt and Corden, before any of them ever got saved. And they were on my list of getting south. And I look back over that whole list of all those on And you know God has saved every single one of those that were on that list. Aubrey, Sophie was on it, Riley, all, all those kids that were on that list, I've seen God save every one of them. 
What do you want God to do for you this year? I'm a firm believer of this because the Bible tells James chapter 4 and verse number 2. We have not because we ask not. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7 and 8 said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh not, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You think about that A-S-K. That's our responsibility. Ask, seek, knock. That's a, a clear way to understand what God expects of me as a child of God. To ask to seek and to knock. What, what do you want God to do for you this year? And what you would ask for, would it be pleasing unto the Lord? Would it be according to the will of God? I think about this and I think about Solomon. Uh, David had somebody to keep him in between the boundary lines of the will of God. Solomon didn't have that. I think about this. You know, God has placed a lot of things in our life to keep us where we need to be. I mean, he places shepherds. Did you know parents could fall under, under the blanket of shepherds to sort of guide us and to steer us and to keep us in between the boundaries of the will of God? God provides parents. He provides pastors to, to guide us and to teach us to keep us within the boundaries. Not only does he give us shepherds, but he gives us the scriptures to keep us within the boundaries of the will of God. Not only does he give us shepherds in scripture, but he also gives us the spirit of God to give us discernment to stay within the boundaries of where God wants us to be. Some of us say, well, you know, 2023 was a hard year for me, preacher. Well, listen, that's in the past. We can't go back. We can't change a thing. There's some things that are inevitable, some things that we can't change. There's some things that we can. But if we had the option to pray for God to give us one thing, it might be wisdom. It might be more power from God. It might be a, a, a more effectiveness as a witnessing tool, more desire, more hunger, and less apathy for the things of God. What would you ask God to do for you this year? Maybe you need some help in your marriage life, in your parenting life, in the work life. I don't know what, maybe the date life. What would be one thing that you'd say, God, please give me this? And the one thing that you'd ask for, would it be pleasing Unto the Lord. You know, I think there's a good formula that I want you to hold on. I want you to flip over to Psalm 37 for just a moment. And I, it's not going to be long at all, but I want to give you this. Psalm 37, most of you know your Bible. You, you know this text, and you've seen it before. I've preached through this uh, multiple times. But I, uh, sometimes I'll do these word searches, on, I, I, which I'm not, I'm not real computer savvy. I don't, do the, I don't have the apps. I don't have all that stuff. Man, I'm old school. I got that big old, that big old Strong's Concordance about that wide and about that tall that you got. You absolutely got to have readers to see that, and sometimes you still can't see it. But I think about the word studies here in three verses that we're going to read as we enter into this new year. What are we going to ask for? And I believe there's a good formula for you and I to be successful, maybe not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of the Lord. Because I'm a firm believer this doesn't matter. This will work in church. It'll work, it'll work in, your, in your married life, in, 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 in church life, whatever you're doing. We can be part of the problem or we can be part of the solution. Amen. I can be part of the problem or I can be part of the solution. You can be part of the problem, you can be part of the solution. As we advance and we move forward, what am I going to do for the cause of Christ this year? What are you going to do for the cause of Christ this year? Did you know you can be a help or you can be a hindrance? 
You can be a problem or you can be a solution. And you can be a great help uh, to this. But what would we ask for? And what's a good formula to put into practice? Not only at the first of the year, but every day that we live. Psalm 37 lays out a great uh, thing here that I believe. And it is the Psalm of David, according to the inscription. But look at Psalm 37, verse 3. It said, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now, you look at this, there's a cause and there's an effect. You trust in the Lord, the Bible said you'll be fed. And look at verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Are you delighting in the Lord? You'll have the desires of your heart. Uh, you want to be fed? Then you've got to trust in the Lord. Then look at verse 5. Commit thy way in the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You see, if we'll trust him, he'll bring it to pass if we commit our way unto him. But I thought about that word trust, and I thought about that word delight, and I thought about that word commit. And uh, what does it mean to really trust in the Lord? It simply means to be bold and to be confident. Don't you be real confident in me because I'm made of weak flesh, and I'm not going to be real confident in you because you're made out of weak flesh. But you and I can be confident in him. The one that asked, what shall I give thee? Well, the Bible said ask, seek and knock. You have not because you asked. Now, what's that need in your life? We can go to him with boldness and with confidence. What's it say in the book of Hebrews chapter number 4? Let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Every one of us are needy people and you can have boldness and confidence as you come to God. That's what it means to trust, to have bold and confidence. He said, trust in the Lord and do good. So thou, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily shalt thou be fed. You can go on down to verse number 25 of this same chapter. David said, I've been young and am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. What David learned, David learned is he trusted in the Lord. The Lord would feed him. You know, God always supplies our need. And boy, there's a lot of times he just gives us our wants, don't I? I mean, he just spoils the fire out of us. And the more you trust him, the more you'll learn. I'm not going to say you're not going to have any obstacles. You're going to have some obstacles. But you can look at those as obstacles or you can look at them as opportunities. It's up to us. The ball's in our court. Man, woe is me. I, I'm faced with this great trial, this great... You can look at it as an obstacle or you can look at it as an opportunity to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ we got to learn to trust in the Lord, to have boldness and to have confidence. Look at that word delight. That word delight. Notice what it said in verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. God knows what my desires are. He knows what your desires are. He knew what Solomon's desires were. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom, not only am I going to give you that, but I'm going to give you other things that you didn't even ask for. I'm going to give you riches, and God certainly did that. But as we delight thyself, what does that word delight mean? Did you know that word delight? And I couldn't help but think about this, and I'll share it in just a second. Christy's going to hate me, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, when it comes to delight, it has to, be, it has to do with being soft and pliable. That's what that, you look it up, that word delight literally means to be soft and pliable, to be conformed unto. Well, what it say to do? Delight thyself in the Lord. We're to be soft and pliable, we're to be conformed unto him. Yesterday, uh, Christian and I, we, which we hadn't been to Walmart together in a long time, and I guess I remembered why yesterday. We was over at the, uh, 
It took us a long time to find the Play-Doh aisle. Now, if your kids eat Play-Doh today, it's probably Christy's fault because she bought a whole bunch uh, in in our Sunday school class. I don't know if they were making something. Because that Play-Doh is what? It's soft and pliable. Man, I remember my Granny Johnson used to make that stuff. Brother Wayne, you might remember this. And that stuff was salty. We eat more of it than we played with. Now, listen, now, kids don't eat Play-Doh. It's not good. I know it's non-toxic today. But just get, you think about this stuff. It's soft and it's pliable. You can take that Play-Doh and you can make a snake out of it or you can make a little horse. or It might not look like a horse, but in your imagination of mine, oh, here's my horse, here's my dog, here's my cat. And, and you can mold it and you can conform it to what you want to. Well, we are to delight ourselves in the Lord. In other words, we're to be soft and pliable. We ought to be conformed to Him. Listen to this. Now, according to the book of Romans, chapter 8, this is New Testament theology. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Again, a lot of folks get all tore up when it comes to predestination. You'll never find anywhere in the Word of God where an individual was predestined to go to a place called hell. That'll just blow Calvinism right out the window, man. Because listen, I believe in a whosoever will gospel. You know who God wants to save? Whosoever will. Everybody has that opportunity. Everybody has that privilege to hear the gospel. Is everybody going to be saved? No. Some are going to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. God does not predestine people for heaven or hell. That context is talking about believers. When you and I get saved and birthed and born into the family of God, we are predestined. What are we predestined to? We're predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Yakin County English simply means this. We're to be like Jesus Christ. We're to be soft and pliable and made in His image. Conformed. Romans 12 puts it this way in verse number 2. And be not conformed. Don't be soft and plow. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This delighting has to do with us being soft and pliable. Now, here's what will happen. It happened in Solomon's life, Brother Ed. As he got older, he got hardened. That will happen to you as a believer if you ain't careful. Hey, man, you'll get the spirit of apathy. You'll get the spirit of I really don't care and it really don't matter, but it does. Man, we ought to stay soft. We ought to stay pliable for the Lord. Can I get a witness right there? That'll help us 2024. If we'll learn to trust with bold and confidence, Lord, I I need you. I'm asking, I'm seeking, and I'm knocking, and I ain't going to turn loose until you give it to me. And then he said, delight, be soft and pliable. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You see, God knows what we would ask for, and God knows what the desires of our heart is. Well, Solomon asked for it. The early years of his life, man, he needed wisdom till it got too big for his britches. But then he got hard and calloused and, and all those riches got into his, to his eyes and he was influenced by values and his reputation. Man, he, that, that's what he lived for, that glory and that pomp. We ought not be like that. We ought to be soft and pliable. We ought to be bold and confident. But look at verse number 5. He said, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. That, that, that uh, word, commit. We think about commit much, but this word commit here literally means to roll. To roll. You look it up in the original, it means to roll. You think about this. I thought about this picture in my mind. Some of our kids 
Uh, I think they went bowling, I believe, one night uh, down, at the, uh, down at the beach at the, at the winter retreat. And you think about a bowling ball, and it's been a long time. Boy, I could tell you some stories. But old Christy's shaking her head over there. She knows where I'm going. Years ago, we were down at, and, and Garrett was just a little, I don't know who I was, somebody was with. Cameron might have been with us. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember, but somebody was. Anyhow, we went bowling. I can still take you to the place over there around close to Garden City. And we went bowling, and Christy was, and I was sitting here behind that little desk filling out the scores. And Christy had the bowling ball in her hand, and when she went, the ball didn't come out of her hand. But it's, I, I, honestly, it was like, it's like slow motion. Have you ever seen a tree fall? It's like, I mean, she, her arm was stretched out, and it was just like slow motion. I mean, she went straight down, and she bounced, Brother Kevin. So she bounced. I'm sliding down. <laughs> but she, that really has nothing to do with the message. I just thought about that when I think about bowling. When you go bowling, that, there's a center line. If you look, there's little arrows that, that sort of come together. And some people got the, the way they can spin that and make that thing curl back around. But the bottom line is this. I don't know the dimensions. It's about probably about like, like this aisle is running through here, Brother Randy. But on either side, there's a gutter. And you've got to keep that ball in between till it gets down to where the pins are. Because if you don't, if you go right, you go left, you're going to be in the gutter and it's going to be a scratch. You ain't going to score anything. But you've got to keep it between the boundaries. When I thought about commit unto the Lord, we're to stay within those boundaries. Because that word literally means to roll and to roll on. To roll within those boundaries. Man, there's a lot of times, maybe even this past year, a lot of times we get in a ditch, don't we? Because we veer right, and we veer left. And a lot of it can be traced back to our commit rolling on, staying within those boundaries of, that the Lord has for us. Because in verse number 5, it said, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. All three of those words, trust, delight, commit, they have a reward associated with with him. What are they? Again, let's read it again. Verse number three, and I'm done. Sister Savannah's coming. Trust in the Lord and do good. Here's the reward. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. You want that need met? You got to trust him with boldness and with confidence. Notice verse number four. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Be soft and be pliable. Here's the reward. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. As we become conformed to the image of his dear son, and as believers, we're predestined to be like Christ. We ought to be soft and pliable. But then he said in verse number 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. That means to just roll on, to stay within the boundaries that God has. Commit thy way unto thy way. As we're rolling in between those boundaries, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Solomon asked for one thing. Lord, the Lord said, what, what, what shall I give you, Solomon? He could ask for anything. But he said, Lord, I need wisdom. What's the one thing you need God to do for you? What's one area of your life where you need God to intervene? Again, there's some things you can't change. There's some things that are inevitable. But where do you need help? Which department? Maybe I didn't even hit on it. Man, maybe you've been discouraged this last year. Maybe you were defeated. Maybe it's just problems, maybe health issues, one after another. What area of your life do you need God to help you in? Let's learn to trust Him. 
Let's learn to delight and be soft and pliable. Let's learn to commit and to stay within those boundaries that God has for us. Man, this could be the best year we've ever had as a child of God. Individually, collectively, as a church. If we'll learn these principles. Well, preacher, I got this problem, but it ain't never going to change. Well, maybe with that attitude it may never will. But I know this. We have not because we ask not. Asking it shall be given to you. Seek it, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. Our responsibility is to knock, to ask and to seek. Listen, there was a reward associated with trusting, with delighting, and committing. I'm telling you now, there's a reward today, but you and I have got to do our part to ask as we stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. I've done my very best, Lord, to empty myself the message of the hour. God, I sure do need help in this department. A lot of areas, Lord, I, I need. You know what I've asked for. Father, a lot of times we ask more than one. But, Lord, you're always faithful. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for your help. God, I pray you would help us, Lord, to learn to be soft and pliable. I pray for those that may have become hardened due to circumstances or obstacles, Lord, in, in previous years or last year, maybe a lot of difficulties that folks faced. God, I pray for joy to return. Not only this year, but today. Lord, somebody may be struggling. Above all, if there's one that's lost, never been saved, never been born again, God, may today be the day of salvation. But God, would you help us, Lord, in these areas. God, help us to stay within your boundaries, within your guidelines. We'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This morning, while folks are praying, Sister Savannah is playing. I know her voice is still... Uh, not real well, so she's just going to play. What's the one thing you'd ask for? What's the one thing you're lacking? What you need God to help you with? Need salvation? Listen, He loves you. He died for you. Gave His life so you could be set free from sin. How about you as a husband? How about you as a wife? How about you as a parent? How about you as a child? How about you as a teenager? What's the one thing you need God to do? Hello friends, this is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. 
the reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. 
Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.